morning, all you lovely lot out there. It's Emma Lucy Brown, your hosiery high priestess, here at Denim Star. Welcome to the second part of our fascinating three-part series on fashion and sustainability and the journey that these two subjects have taken over the years and also where we will enjoy a morning cuppa with our special guest Annie Wells, founder of Simply Suzette, a women's online resource and boutique for ethical, sustainable denim as we take a closer look at sustainability and denim within the sustainable fashion realm. So a very happy April to everyone. And for those of our beautiful Denim Star Sock Stars who observe Easter, Passover and Ramadan, I hope you all had or are having a safe and memorable one. Given that this was now our second time around, that we observe these holidays during the pandemic. Not an easy go, folks. So let's just keep hanging in there a little longer. Now that the vaccine rollout programs are ramping up throughout the world for the most part, let's try our best alongside our support systems to brush off the COVID fatigue and keep up the good fight right to the very end, shall we? Let me just add also that this episode is dedicated to His Royal Highness, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, as we mourn his passing on 9th of April, 2021, at the age of 99, as we pay tribute to not only his courage, fortitude and faith, but also how we have been truly inspired by his unwavering loyalty to the Queen and his years of service to the nation and the Commonwealth. And with that in mind, let me also just make a wee announcement to say that with this special episode on sustainability and denim, we will be doing things a little differently this time around. Billy and I will briefly chat about some of the challenges that the world faces when it comes to fashion and sustainability. And then from there, we will bring on our special guest, Annie Wells, founder of Simply Suzette, where she will introduce herself and have a chill chat with Denim Star about what's evolving in the vanguard world of sustainability and denim and fashion and sustainability as a whole. Hopefully, most of our listeners curious questions about denim and sustainability are more particularly how to go about purchasing a sustainable pair of jeans will be answered. While later on, we will wind down and have fun chatting with Annie when we share with her our Be The Star You Know You Are Denim Star questionnaire and find out what's afoot with Annie 
when it comes to her sartorial choices and preferences in the fashion world these days. And with that said, let's dive right in, shall we? Absolutely. Let's let's dive right in. Ems is right. And so exciting about the Denim Star Questioner. You know, Annie, Ems, Annie will be our very first guest on the show to try that out. I mean, so big, huge shout out to everyone at Denim Star for making this happen putting together the questionnaire and to Annie, you know, for being our, our first victim, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, to participate with this event. Exactly. <laughs> you know, trial, test pilot, run here for sure. And then, you know, well, for one, if we, you know, continue on with where the, the BBC left off and, you know, the dialogue that went on to say that now, uh, you know, with this discussion on fashion and sustainability, you know, even the manufacturers are also working on ways to reduce the environmental impact from the production of their jeans. You know, so while others have been developing ways of recycling denim or even jeans that will, you know, decompose within a couple of months when composted, it's just an amazing oh, wow. uh, evolution within fashion and sustainability, isn't it, Amps? It really is. I mean, wow, I love that. Composted denims. And yeah, like I Lynn know. Wilson. Yeah, completely. So like Lynn Wilson, an expert mm -hmm. on the circular economy and who for her PhD research at mm -hmm. the University of Glasgow, who is focusing on consumer behavior connected to clothing disposal so mm. mention that you know keep in mind it's not cotton but the synthetic polymer polyester that is the most common fabric using clothing and that globally 65 percent of the clothing that we wear is polymer based yeah you know that that's right and then I guess, you know, I'm switching it up to recycle polyester fabric can help to, you know, reduce the carbon emissions with, uh, you know, recycled polyester that releases half to a quarter of the emissions of, you know, virgin polyester. But, you know, isn't it, uh, it isn't, you know, just a, a long term solution as uh, polyester takes hundreds of years to decompose and then, you um, you know, it can lead to these microfibers escaping into the environment, is my understanding. Yeah, but then as we are reminded by the BBC discussion and have talked about this mm -hmm. before on the show, natural materials aren't necessarily sustainable either. If they require mm. huge amounts of water, dye and transport. So yeah, organic cotton may be better for the farm workers who would otherwise be exposed to massive levels of pesticides. However, as we mm -hmm. know, the pressure on water supplies still remains, doesn't it? But we do know that organic cotton uses 88% less water than conventional cotton. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Luckily, I had read, you know, the good news is, however, that, you know, a great deal of, of innovation is now going into crafting these lower impact fabrics. You know, we, 
We now have things like this bio couture, you know, fashion made from more environmentally sustainable materials, which is, I might add, like an increasingly big business. You know, with some companies, they're even looking to use, you know, waste from wood, fruit, and other natural materials, you know, to create their their textiles. And uh, you know, with some even experimenting with um, you know alternative ways of dyeing their fabrics or or searching for materials that biodegrade more easily once they're they're in the bin. Absolutely amazing. Bio couture. I mean, we yeah. could yeah, we could discuss fashion and sustainability for days on end but for the intents and purposes of this special episode before we bring on our guests i just wanted to touch upon briefly in response to this very topic in today's show and just mention the ellen MacArthur foundation emf and of course mm-hmm. their project with jeans redesign as you can't talk about denim sustainability without bringing this foundation up, can you? So, yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, according to EMF, the average number of times a piece of clothing is worn decreased by 36% between 2000 and 2015. And within the same time frame, clothing production doubled. Mm-hmm. So while these gains, they came at the expense of the quality and longevity of the garments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had read that article too, the, the Eco Textile News. Yeah, that was back in October of 2020. And the Jeans Redesign Circularity Project, you know, and bearing it the fruit that it's, mm-hmm. it's made to make the denim industry more circular. As you know, several leading brands have launched products made according to its principles. Brands like, you know, Boyish and H and M, Seventeen and Mochi, just to name a few. I think right now. Mm, that's right, Bills. And so, with EMS Jeans Redesign Program, encouraging mm-hmm. brands to design jeans that last longer can be easily recycled and are made in ways that are better for the environment and the health of the garment workers. These are the goals that everyone is striving for these days. So as more and more brands are signing on the Jeans Redesign initiative, which was launched back in July 2019, with the aim of bringing together leading fashion brands, manufacturers and fabric mills to transform the way in which jeans are produced from a linear to a circular model. Hmm, yeah, and yeah, that's right. And I think it was towards the end of 2019, the project was like extended to fabric mills and recyclers with you know the aim of covering all aspects of the supply chain and you know with the jeans redesign uh, project they focused on a set of guidelines created by the the Alan MacArthur Foundation along with something like 80 denim experts wow based on 
you know, yeah, the principles which you just mentioned. Mm. Um, and then they established minimum requirements for, you know, they laid out requirements for durability, material health, recyclability and traceability. That's right, Bills. And, you know, as part of this initiative, the 67 participating brands, manufacturers and mills must publicly report their efforts. And here is the exciting part in that each of the participants is actually creating circular genes by May 2021, as well as exploring exploring solutions (laughs) for a world where clothing never becomes waste. Can it be done? Is it possible? Mm -hmm. We'll have to keep an eye out. And for further information, you can check out the story on the Genes Redesign Initiative online at the EMF website. Or even better yet, you can continue listening to our podcast about more on this topic. Freshen up your morning cuppa and join us as we bring on our special guest, Annie Wells, founder of Simply Suzette, who will help all of us, not only in getting our heads wrapped around fashion and sustainability, but more in particular, how a quick crash course on Denim Sustainability 101 and how to go about about purchasing your next pair of sustainable denims in the near future will be further explained by Annie herself. Oh, wow. I can hardly wait, Ems. I've been so excited about having our very first guest on the show. And now here it is. The moment has come. Annie Wells is here. Yahoo! Hello. Hello. And absolutely (laughs) very exciting times for sure. And so on that note, and without further ado, Everyone, please join me in welcoming our very first guest on the Socks and Sandals and Other Scandals Morning Cuppa with Emma and Billy. So Miss Annie Wells, founder of Simply Suzette, a resource and boutique for all things in the world of sustainable denim. Good morning, Annie. Good morning, good morning, Emma and Annie. Billy. How are you two? Really good. Good, good. I'm happy really good. to be here. Welcome, welcome. I'm honored to be the first guest on Socks and Sandals and Other Scandals. I have a big cup of matcha tea right now, so I'm joining you with a big morning cup right now. Oh, lovely. Yeah, here's to our matcha teas. I've got one on the go too. Ams, what do you got in there? I've got a good old English breakfast going. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Classic. Perfect. Here's to us. Here's to us indeed. So yes, welcome to Socks and Sandals and Other Scandals Morning Cuppa. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Annie. We are ever so pleased that you have agreed to be our first guest and to discuss denim sustainability. So Annie, once you get yourself sorted and comfortable online here with us, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? 
For sure. So um, my background is I've honestly been a fashion lover from before I could remember. Apparently, I used to change like four times a day when I was three years old because I wanted to try different outfits. (laughs) But um, specifically denim, I started getting into, I think, honestly, early too. I think I was about 10 when I started really like craving the designer and premium um, brands like Seven for All Mankind. Um, oh, yes. So I, 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 I was quite young when I started realizing the difference in quality between um, denims out there. And I was such a brat. I remember be- like begging my parents to buy me some premium jeans. Um, but wow. basically, yeah, it was, it was, I was, so I've always been a denim lover. I think it has something to do with the fact that my dad wears jeans literally every single day, even in like 40 degrees, Celsius weather, whether he's in denim. So I think that's where some of my love has come for denim in specific. Um, but my background in the denim industry is quite short. I'm coming in in my third year now in the industry. And before that, mm. I was working in the general fashion industry. Um, mm. And that's kind of where I first started seeing firsthand um, the products that retailers were bringing in and I wasn't exactly comfortable that we didn't know where we were sourcing these garments from. Mm, (laughs) And so mm. that's kind of where my interest in ethical fashion brands started happening and I started doing a little bit more research on the social sustainability side of things first and environmentalism followed quite um, naturally after that for me just because I am a nature lover. I do love um, the outdoors and um, it occurred to me that if we continued the way um, fashion and denim was on its way um, then I thought that maybe it might not exist one day. And so mm. that really drove me to start really looking into who was doing things differently, um, mm. how they were doing it differently. And mm. yeah, that's kind of where really my passion for the sustainable denim sphere started. Um, and also I have to give credit to my um, postgraduate fashion management program. One of my professors mm. there did um, enlighten me that denim in specific was one of the more harmful garments to produce. Um, mm. At the time, I was told that it was the second worst garment to produce besides leather. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of really where, um, that's really where the passion started and my research kind of delved into. And it has, it's been really wonderful to get to know you since last year on Instagram. And yeah, you know, you always have such engaging posts and you really do dig so deep. And, and you know, I, I've just loved, it's been an absolute pleasure to read. It really has. So this leads me on to, so what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you feel people have regarding sustainable denim compared to denim itself? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's. A lot of misconceptions I feel with the term term sustainability because at this point, you know, it could mean basically anything. But mm-hmm. I think the misconception is that denim in itself to me is a sustainable fabric. For the most part, it's made of natural fibers or a rigid denim and it is extremely durable. You know, you have a vintage jacket that's last a vintage denim jacket that's lasted or I have a couple in my closet that are older than me. And so, you know, mm. it's it kind of, to me right now, what the best and most sustainable thing we can do is keep um, materials um, and garments in use as long as possible. And that's really why I see denim, the durability aspect of it as a very sustainable fabric. Um, mm. But I guess comparing sustainable denim to just, um, I guess, denim made in conventional or um, older ways, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the misconception right now is price, and um, mm-hmm. it's a lot. A lot of the times, people assume that um, creating sustainable denim is a lot more expensive than creating a pair of conventional jeans. But mm-hmm. I think if people start to look at the long-term um, results, mm-hmm. um, then they can see that over time, the investment actually is worth it, and you're in the end. In the end, you're actually saving um, money on water, energy, chemical inputs, etc. So it's an upfront investment that will um, will cost some, but in the future and the long term, um, it is worth it. And there is proof that it is worth it. So absolutely, I completely agree with you. Denim pieces they have such longevity because it is such a, a hard wearing fabric. And actually, something I'd like to pop in here, and I'd love your opinion on that, is. Um, Actually, some of the misconceptions as well is that returns is, you know, when people return a garment, if they decide they don't want it, I actually still think there's a problem, um, whether it's sustainable or not, it's actually very important to help consumers to understand the fit of the gene when they're buying it, because actually returns can become dead stock which then could be recycled to be a new fabric if you're doing circular fabric for your denims but the problem is if a brand isn't making the money in the first place that's a huge outlay to a brand to rejuvenate that fabric into circular fabric that can be made into denims again i think there's a misconception there what do you think on that totally yeah i think um one of one of my friends and one of my mentors that I've spoken to about this, she used to see all of the fabrics that went unused after a season and they just move on to the next um, the next new fabric, but they had rolls left over of things that might not have sold, dead stock fabrics, etc., and returns, for example. But I think one of the, what my opinion on this is basically that it's best to use what we have. And mm. even though you think it might cost, um, it might cost you extra to use and t- dismantle these garments that are dead stock and put in the time and skill and effort that it takes to upcycle these products into new garments. I think it's worth it in the long run and your customer will really appreciate it. And if you really are tr- transparent in where the costs are going, um, I really believe that people are willing to pay more for the effort and the value that you're putting into it. Um, so that's my opinion on that. I'm not sure that quite answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It does. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I, I love that, the, the transparency. Um, you know, I think, you know, for sustainable denim, to me, it's still kind of like the Wild West, you know? Still oh, no yeah. regulated rules yet, like food labeling. But, you know, I love the fact that, yeah, even with our myth busting out there, you know, I was looking, I think it was Outland Demon, which I just love for their social justice movements yes. with getting, you know, folks that are involved in human trafficking working again. But even they raised, you know, their, their recycled polyester from plastic bottles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in some of the sustainable denim pocket linings. So, you know, even without, you know, thinking about what the EMF has to say, and the millions of tons of plastic microfibers that you know are released yeah. into our oceans that even like for the care and the transparency you know um annie you're you're navigating waters for sure for folks who you know don't quite know how to uh 
to sail on those seas and, and even knowing about these gucky from washing bags or cora balls out there yeah you know to throw in your wash if if even if you are buying sustainable denim there is still these little things that are lurking out there and need to yeah. be tweaked so i find it amazing too mm. totally there's mm. always something to be done <laughs> that's mm. for sure yeah 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 absolutely mm. constant yeah, like, development yeah exactly but like you said right like sustainability can mean really anything um and so there are still many bits to um the journey that we still need to um tackle and also the consumer does really have to be aware of these things and and understand that they're a part of the system as well um and like you said using these even though you are buying a consciously made or a sus environmentally sustainable friendly pair of jeans you still might need to buy that guppy bag to save um ourselves from microplastics there's this one stat too out there i just want to throw it in there that yeah basically we're eating it's like it was the world wildlife foundation i put it out a while ago but um mm. we're basically eating a credit card a week in microplastics wow which is absolutely disgusting if you think about that so yeah oh my god yeah that's my um that's my uh that's i just for me, recycle. It's great that we're using waste. I give it up to everybody using waste. But for me, recycled yeah. polyester is just not one of my favorites. Mm. <laughs> Gosh, it's just getting into yeah. our food source as well. Yeah, yeah. It's ev mm. it's everywhere. It's mm. everywhere. It really is. Okay, so are you able to walk us through the various paths it takes to make sustainable denim? For sure, I can definitely walk through a, um, definitely a summary of some of the best practices I believe are. There are obviously so many approaches to sustainability that can be done, um, but also I have a page on my website called Supply Chain 101 that does walk you through kind of some of the best practices for each step in more in depth, but I'll just mm -hmm. go through some of like the overarching um, Great. my favorites. But So obviously for the most part, denim is cotton right now, um, and so one of my favorite things to start off with is um, speaking about regenerative agriculture at the beginning of the life cycle of a pair of jeans, because I think we have such a big opportunity to actually create um, something that has a positive impact on people on the planet using these methods for farming. So starting with the fibers, I think my like my favorites are regeneratively far farmed um, cotton, recycled cotton, organic cotton, fair trade yes. cotton, um, E3 cotton, Hemp, I also um, am a big fan of right now. There's a lot of hemp tensile blends coming out in denim right mm -hmm. now that are beautiful, soft mm -hmm. to the hand, look and feel authentic. Um, and, and as cotton has been kind of um, positioned as the bad guy lately, um, mm -hmm. a lot of people are moving away from or trying to experiment with cotton alternatives in denim. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, another one is Refibra, which is of course Tensile's sister product, which is um, mixes post-consumer textile waste, or don't quote me on that one, it might be pre-consumer actually, but it uses mm -hmm. textile waste um, mm. and combines it with their wood pulp to make um, a newly formed tensile fiber. So that is also one of my favorite fibers to start with. Um, and then next step in the in the denim supply chain is fabric, fabric production. So um, this is where the dyeing happens. And it's funny to me because a lot of the times when we're talking about sustainable denim, 
indigo is the hardest part of the problem to solve um yes. and it's carrot and denim so it's always a little bit paradoxical to me that the one thing that makes denim denim is the hardest thing to solve for sustainability mm. um but there are obviously a lot of innovators out there who are helping us to um reduce our reliance on the traditional dyeing methods mm. so there's technology such as bioengineered indigo which i would really love to see um in a pilot program or something i haven't seen it um i haven't seen it in a brand yet or any examples of it yet but basically it's the same concept as brewing beer almost it's it's feeding oh. it's basically taking the pigment color out of the indigo tinctura plant and feeding it sugar and basically growing and in, yeah growing indigo from a lab so that's really cool to me and I, in theory can be scaled up um easily. So I would love to see more of that, more tests with that. Also foam dyeing methods have been um a yeah. huge help for saving water, of course. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a lot of um mills and manufacturers that are also um working with indigo that's free of aniline and hydrosulfite. So that enables us to reuse the water and eliminate the wastewater runoff that um is really toxic um in creating sludge and whatnot. So Um next obviously is like the cut and sew part so uh this part is I like to focus more on kind of the social aspect of things so it's there's a lot more than just like just giving a living wage right so um unions allow workers to ask for what they need um it could be insurance support for their children's education better facilities in the factories like social security you know it, the list goes on um but i also want to note that the concept of diversity and inclusion is also very important here mm-hmm. um and that what obviously looks like um including the workforce who are discriminated against i love um the recut program from sitex who trains people with different abilities um mm-hmm. in their sitex program and then eventually they become either seamstresses or whatever they um whatever their talent may be but i absolutely love that program mm-hmm. and i'd love to see more of them around like that um the next step though we'll go on to is washing um and washing is actually one of the places that denim started with sustain or started to look at doing more environmentally friendly i'd say mm-hmm. because i think we were to to get all of those vintage fades that we were all crave and you know the whiskers obviously sandblasting um um pp spray and large amounts of waters to do this effect traditionally was not very sustainable and it was a lot different than um what the rest of the fashion industry did to finish their garments so i think that's why the denim industry started with this because that's where people were really shining the light at the moment um mm. but obviously ozone gas has been a huge um addition to the wash to the sustainable washing methods list um and it basically is you can bleach fabrics with ozone basically and it's again using no chemicals which is really amazing and lasers of course obviously help us get the whiskers and fades that we're looking for um without the use of any water or chemicals yep. So that's amazing. So ozone and laser have been instrumental in removing indigo to create these vintage washes and whiskers that we um really crave. But also um affluent treatment plants are also just as important in the washing process um as in dyeing to just avoid polluting the water um and surrounding areas around us and also just being able to reuse the water and recirculate it. 
Um, so yeah, those are kind of the steps. Obviously, there's packaging and shipping. We need to really reduce our reliance on plastics here. Um, For sure. Yeah. The, the use phase, um, obviously, that's the consumer's um, part. Um, I really encourage consumers to try washing their jeans less and never to put them in the dryer. I say the mm-hmm. dryer is the devil. <laughs> well, the dryer wrecks them always anyway. Yeah. You don't want you don't want to shrink it anymore already, exactly. do you? Exactly. No, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it, it, it destroys the fibers. So, um, but all, mm. like a lot of people, you know, when they their jeans bag out or sag out, they think, okay, let's go just throw them in the wash in the wash and dryer mm. so they shrink back up. But mm. I, yeah, I'm 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 advocate against that. Um, mm. So it's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but also, also I, it's the end of life stage too, and in, in denim that um, I think we need to have the consumer more involved in. So we're obviously mm. working on um, reverse logistics and mm-hmm. what the best route of action is in collecting and and, and making the consumer a part of this um, journey. But end of use is obviously a huge. I mean, end of life is obviously a huge. Um, a huge aspect of the denim supply chain now that we need to look yes. at and regenerate. Yeah, so. to make it more circular and you know I think we've all heard of the lovely brand Mud haven't we and oh, yeah. what they do mm-hmm. is they they take old denims so and they get it broken down into the fibers and then they mix it with got certified organic cotton mm-hmm. so it's a mix and then it strengthens the fabric again giving it longevity again so I think all brands it would be great if if generally you know all brands could actually get support uh, yeah. to recycle more and also for generally i would say across the board of all suppliers if all suppliers could actually be given the support to recycle the water they use that would hugely help you know manufacturing wise as well wouldn't it totally yeah it's a lot of upfront investment needed too so i get a lot of the times um, suppliers or the manufacturers um, don't get support um, from the mm. brands to make these investments and so mm. I think another point to add is, is it's really creating those partnerships with your suppliers so you can invest mm. in these reverse logistics and work with your partners aka suppliers um, mm. on how to best do this and how it benefits everybody in the chain so mm. yeah mm. So what is the most surprising thing that you discovered on your journey in learning about sustainable denim or sustainability and fashion in particular? That's, yeah, that's a tough, I think the most surprising, uh, let's see. (laughs) It's Um, a difficult question, yes. (laughs) I think the most, yeah, sustainability and fashion in particular, I think the most surprising thing to me was how unregulated it is. Um, mm. It makes and and just the way the the industry operates. So when I when I first started learning about how suppliers have to front the cost of all the materials that a brand produces, I was like, well, why? It's the brand's products that they're making. Why don't why doesn't the brand buy the materials for their products? It didn't make it didn't quite make sense to me. So I think the way the industry honestly is structured and 
and the unregulation was how was what was really shocking to me because like the food like I I look to the food industry a lot because I the way it's grown over the years farm to table I really I want the fashion to be, industry to be farm to shelf um, hopefully soon so mm. it's it's mm-hmm. I you know and you see how regulated the food industry is but yet we don't have any type of correlating um, regulations for fashion so it's really a it, like you said it's like the wild west in sustainable fashion you really can do any, yeah. anything you want so it's just it just yeah that's what really surprised me and shocked me because at the beginning of my journey I, you know everybody who was making small improvements or you know doing something i was like great this is great and i still agree you know it's a it's progress not perfection of course but mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of technology and um, opportunities to make better um, products that and businesses that have a positive impact on people and the planet. So I just don't, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why it's not. Um, I don't understand why people don't take it up more um, quickly. I think mm, <laughs> that's, mm. that's, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I totally agree. I mean, Wild West, and then, you know, here we are, Earth Day coming up, the 22nd, and right now as we speak, you know, Fashion Revolution Week, all this week, you know, founded founded Annie and Emma, you know, on the very, the wake of that Rana Plaza disaster on the 24th, you know, yeah. uh, FRW, the world's largest fashion activism movement that, you know, looks to conserve and you know, restore the environment. But one thing that I always surprisingly forget, and you know, we're all people persons here, the values of people also over growth and profit. You know, hashtag, who's, who made my clothes? And yeah. you know, if you get a moment, re- read the garment worker diaries. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes to mind, uh, check these visions and these values out, folks. I'd be really interested to hear what our listeners have to say, because at times, it's surprisingly easy to forget that there are beautiful souls at work making the very clothes and denims on our are on our backs. So so yeah. true. Let's maybe hope that QR codes will, yeah. you know, have all this information that we can just scan and know exactly what's in our our beautiful denims. Yeah, totally. And mm. I my dream is to have like those QR codes one day be like. Be another touch, another marketing touch point, honestly, but also like be reliable and accurate information. But there's an opportunity to create beautiful stories behind the garment workers who made those oh, jeans there, totally you know, creating great. a beautiful video on, on the exact person, person sure. who touched those jeans. So I love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Are you definitely we need that for sure. Mm-hmm. So, what tips do you have for us as far as being more consumer conscious and how to go about purchasing a pair of sustainable jeans? Definitely. I get this Ooh, question. I can't wait to hear this bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my, my best We're waiting for this. For being a more consumer or being more con- conscious in their consumption habits is mindfulness. I think um, really, I think, it, you know, we can't shop our way to sustainability. That's what I always say, right? So it's uh, using what we have is the number one best thing to do. I think Reformation's slogan was, you know, 
being naked is the most sustainable we're number two or something like that <laughs> yes. i always love yes. that so, yeah uh, um, so so i really truly believe you know we don't it's, it's like why are we why do you want something are you buying a new pair of jeans just because you want to look cool in front of your friends or do you truly really love the pair are you going to create a lasting relationship with that pair of jeans are you going to use them for years to come and are you going to take care of them and what are you going to do with them when you're done but i think when you are buying a pair of sustainable jeans, you definitely want to look at what's what's it, what it's made out of. I honestly really advocate for natural fibers. Um, I re- I personally don't um, love the use of recycled polyester, like I said before. Mm. So. Mm. Um, plant-based fibers are definitely my number one if they say if your brand is telling you um what type of dyes they're using that's also a huge bonus because a lot of people like i don't know many brands who do that at all because it is such a challenging part to it yeah but um also so what goes into it if they tell you who also you know transparency is extremely important here so mm. if they show you who is making your jeans there's this one brand i love called don, don denim they actually mm. have this um, widget on their e-commerce site that you can tip the garment workers that work, worked on that exact pair of jeans and it goes directly into those garment workers bank account so wow. like a brand like that is showing you exactly who made your who uh, how made do your you clothes, spell right? that how do you spell Don Denim is D-A-W-N Denim. So yeah, it's a Dutch denim brand, but one of my favorites. Um, and I love that because you, you really do truly see that um, the workers are being taken care of and um, they, they really care actually about mm. who's making their clothes. So what's in it, who's making it. Also just honestly taking a browse on people on the brand's website. Do they have a sustainability report? Do they have a sustainability page? Um, usually if they do, it's it's quite um, in text heavy, which can be quite, um, a little bit overwhelming to skim through, but honestly having it and just giving it a glance over, looking that they are showing you um, that what they're saying on their tags or in their marketing is actually true and they have evidence to back it up. Um, mm-hmm. That's definitely important. Also, I know there's so many certifications out there, but looking for certifications is really um, a really great way um, for the consumer to know that, for example, the fair trade certification, B Corp certifications, um, you know, GOTS organic certified cotton and and whatnot. These certifications are definitely something to look out for because it it, it shows that the brand is trying to prove to you that they are doing things right. Um, So yeah, but also when, Another note is looking if they have anything, any take back schemes or anything. So mm. that's that's newer, obviously, and not a t- not not a ton of brands are doing that. Um, but it's you know we see the trend on the on the rise, and more and more are doing so. But you know at least having um, some sort of reference to how to take care of your jeans and dispose of them properly if they mm. don't have the take back scheme. So mm. it's looking at really your your relationship with the jean and and how you are going to be a part of um, that gene that jeans life and how you're also interacting with the denim supply chain and the fashion supply chain at large yourself it's like looking at the in the mirror and saying okay what 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 is my role in this mm. like what is my relationship here to the gene so i think that was kind of a long answer for <laughs> no it's gene. perfect and so poetically put Come honestly on, you really you ticked every single box for me i'm <laughs> I have nothing else to say on that. It's really, you, you know, you say it all when you say it's about your love affair with yeah. those jeans as well. And it is, you know, that almost the older a pair of jeans become, 
you know they just they just look even more interesting so it is it, it like you were saying earlier it is some a piece of longevity isn't it it really is that relationship between you and your genes totally totally it's it's the, it's the relationship that has to be created exactly mm. um, yeah for sure so what's in store and what can we expect to see in the future with regard to sustainable denim trends that make you most hopeful at this time i think i mentioned it previously but i'm really fascinated with regenerative agriculture because denim is so inherently linked to cotton and natural fibers and also you know natural indigo we still people do use natural indigo still and i see it coming up more and more as we try to as people are craving like natural alter- alternatives mm-hmm. um, the sustainability aspect of natural indigo is still um, in debate i'd say between different people i'm a fan of it i i i think there's a case for making um natural and to go more more readily avail- available for larger denim brands not just artisanal ones but we really have the opportunity to grow everything that um, is in a gene basically so I've, i played with the idea a couple months ago but basically you you know you can grow the cotton you can grow your hemp you can grow um, what a linen flax whatever it may be to make up your uh, the composition of the fabric um, and if that's done in a regenerative way then in theory you are create, you know sequestering carbon and creating a positive impact in the fiber cultivation stage and if we move on to the dyeing stage using using natural indigo that has also been regeneratively farmed um, mm-hmm. then you know again there's another step that we can sequester carbon and for all of the um, rivet you know eliminate the use of rivets but for the button fly we could use corozo um, buttons which is from the taga nut the taga nut tree so again mm-hmm. it's using it's using nature and the chance to grow something and put nutrients back into the soil um and so i really just see obviously that doesn't make a gene that um the average consumer is going to want to wear um mm. but it, there's it, it you know there's hope to me that we don't have to rely on any um petroleum based products anymore mm. more and mm. more are you know there's boyish genes out there that is a plant based only um company as well um mm-hmm. but i think that's the most exciting part to me is being able to mm-hmm. use um nature as our inspiration and help us beat the climate crisis with this and also move away from fossil fuel products mm-hmm. so i think that's the most um hopeful trend i see um there's a lot of hemp being experimented with like i said which is also um fantastic um and so yeah i think just regenerative um fashion is the most promising thing to me but again we can't um exploit this term um mm-hmm. and like with anything if something becomes too overused um things can go wrong so <laughs> mm, mm, for sure and and that, you... that is so That's true cool. isn't it when yeah. when you you're overusing you know um sustainability as as just a term and you know the wild west on un, unregulated waters you know we've we've got these things like leasing our our denims from mud jeans yeah. and recycling our clothes uh, at H&M you know using the loop their in-store recycling machine that shreds and spins and knits into new fashion but you know socks and sandals and other scandals just off the press folks 
We've heard that Maisie Williams, for anybody who's a, a GOTS fan, Game of Thrones, the actress who is H&M's global sustainability ambassador to change, to represent change for the future of fashion. It's just come out now that, that Maisie's been, Daryl Maisie uh, has been called out for program and they're alleged cream washing. So having oh. perpetuated this, yeah, this yeah. fast fashion over the years, my question is, yeah, for the future, uh, with folks wondering if fast fashion can ever be green, you know, uh, mm. good question from from mm. the audience. Can it and time will tell. I don't know, Annie, what do you think? Mm. Honestly, I think that we can get there. There's just it's I don't think it'll be for a while. And I think, mm -hmm. oh, it's such a complex question. But um, like, I think with automation, for example, like Cytex's new factory, micro factory in L.A., these automated factories will help bring down the cost of sustainable fashion, but mm. what happens to the gar like what happens to Bangladesh's garment um, sector, right? That's basically mm. their whole economy is based on fast fashion, and so the livelihoods mm, right. for a lot of people it's it's going to be a huge well a huge transition um, mm. over the years, and, and they'll have to be trained in different skills in order to you know, help, help garment workers in this transition. But I do truly believe that we can get there, but I don't believe in the pace of fast fashion. Mm. Um, I don't believe in the volume either. I, I really, I don't believe that we need 52 seasons, um, micro seasons. No. I, I, yeah. I really don't believe that. I do think that we need to go towards um, seasonless collections as well. Um, I, but, I know, do too. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, you know, there's, I would, there's smart people at, at the, the, the sustainability heads at these large corporations, and they're not bad people trying to greenwash us. I, I, they are truly trying to make the their their company better. Um, but yeah, I just I think that the, the pace of it and the volume of it is the problem, and because there's so much excess produced by these brands because mm. you know it's so cheap to produce and they have no they have no really risk when they're overproducing so and that's I literally how they bring their price down that they just exactly yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so mm. there there's a lot of you know systemic issues there um, but i in 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 the far future i i am truly hopeful that Sustainable fashion can become affordable and whether you call that fast like from Zara for example or H&M if you want to call them that you know I do truly believe we can get there. Um, mm. I do. So yeah, that's, mm. that's the good news folks. I do. Yeah. Good to yes. hear. Let's keep working together. Yeah. So, we are moving on to the fun part of the show, where we ask you... <laughs> so, these are questions for be the star you know you are. So, I will fire away. So, where do you think your lost socks go when you take your clothes out of the dryer, Annie? <laughs> you know, that's a really hard question, <laughs> but... I. I lose so many socks and it's so frustrating because you know I, I'm starting to invest in my socks also like I want them to last and then they disappear from the dryer but I 
I my best bet is that they get stuck in between like the wall or something and I can't <laughs> find them. Or that's what I think. <laughs> I I don't know where they go. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I love it because Emma and I were just saying, Annie, you know, you're in good company because May the 9th is officially or unofficially Lost Sock Memorial Day, you know, where we can all commemorate our lost socks. <laughs> you know, let go of all those remaining singleton socks that we're collecting in hopes of finding their, you know, their long lost mates to honor <laughs> all this socks we've lost and, and don't feel bad that it's just a couple because I had sent Emma a little joke from it was a, a movie um, that Jack Nicholson was in it and you know he blurts out that men alone on average lose about a 400 million socks in a, sil a single year you know so, <laughs> oh and, and where do they <laughs> you know where do they all go do we all need know. sock clips or you know i think we just need a good supply of denim star socks to match and match and <laughs> exactly and just know they're all denim colored and you know that's exactly uh, you it. can't go wrong from that yeah <laughs> for sure for sure and so what was or is your favorite pair of jeans of all time I have this vintage pair of Tommy Hilfiger jeans. I actually don't know what year they're from, um, but they are the perfect vintage blue. They've been worn in perfectly. There's the perfect amount of distressing on all the pockets, on um, the hems. Um, they're about to bust in the knee though, so I'm not looking forward to that. Um, obviously I'll get them repaired, but I just love, I love them as is, so I'm trying really hard to, um, maintain them in their current state <laughs> and that's and that's why it's so important it. to fix them you know because then yes. you can you can just keep them going so it's time to make a patch that goes at the back perhaps behind the fabric before it breaks yeah exactly so that's 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 yeah that's the trick i just love them so much that i don't want to change them at all so <laughs> i mm. think <laughs> that's my one problem right now with them but i will have to obviously um i'll have to change my relationship with them a bit and be willing to um, yeah be willing to reinforce them <laughs> and so do you wear your socks to bed <laughs> actually no but i used to so when i was a kid i used to wear my socks to bed because I used to, I always like hung my feet off the bed when I was sleeping and I was scared monsters were getting <laughs> But I now nowadays I do not wear socks to bed. I like feeling free and um, yeah, airy. <laughs> free and, and free wheeling. Well only yeah. on Valentine's Day, right? Only on Valentine's Day, Emma, a pair of denim star flower blooms, you know, over the knee yes. socks plus some oh, knickers. Yeah. Over the knees and knickers, knickers not included, but yeah, fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> Ladies, this love train of romancing your gams booty combo, you know, it's a must try, ladies. I think even Barry White, if you were around, he'd probably write a song like, my darling, I can't get enough of your socks, babe, you know, and, and satisfaction guaranteed, hopefully. Sure. It, it would be yeah. that flower love for sure from the flower bloom yes exactly <laughs> flower power <laughs> so so what was your best pair of socks ever found in your mysterious and sacred sock mm -hmm. drawer 
I have this wool pair of socks from, um, there's this town just outside of um, where I live called Niagara Falls. And oh, there's wow. this cute, um, yeah, maybe maybe people have heard Niagara Falls. It's like pretty famous waterfall yes. in Canada. And then, yeah, right. So, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so in and around that area, there's this one cute Irish shop. They're, they're, they're from Ireland themselves and they just import everything um, from their hometown. And I got a pair of socks from there once, and they are my favorite for sure. Um, they're thick, they're mm. like they feel luxurious, but they also never smell. I don't like mm. never, and because you know, I don't. I might be gross <laughs> because they're very warm. Obviously, my feet are not maybe the most dry. I guess I'll put it um, in them, but they never smell. So I, they're my favorite. Oh. Um, and I'd say they're also kind of mysterious because sometimes I'm like, how are these still in the condition? they are in but they're great <laughs> that's interesting to know because they have actually proven cotton is the best for socks actually and of course okay. even again organic certified cotton because actually right. they are the ones that protect the feet from smell the most it reduces the smell so that's interesting to hear that from your wool socks <laughs> just, yeah, just don't wear them on your honeymoon folks no, no. <laughs> When, when I think of Niagara Falls, I think of the honeymooners and yeah, so we'll, we'll save them for, yeah, those cold, yes. cold winter nights. Yeah, cold, cozy nights. Yeah. So, Annie, which are you? Sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe, when putting on your socks and sandals or shoes in the morning and why? I am a sock, sock. <laughs> shoe shoe type gal um uh-huh. i think why is it? honestly i think it's because i'm always <laughs> rushing to get out the door and i usually have to um run around the house a few last times to pick up anything i've forgotten before i run out the door and i don't want to do that in my shoes so i think that's why i put my socks on first make sure i've got everything ready to go and then i put my shoes on so i'm not stomping around in my house um, with my um, dirty shoes <laughs> brilliant brilliant <laughs> yeah I love it because you know uh, what about the the shoe shoe sock sock crowd you know like we forget about these folks too i mean don't we i mean our i just remembered the other day our fine friends down in new zealand you know they tell us that it's one of the best ways to fight against falling on street ice when you're out and about in winter i'm mean, like help i've fallen and i can't get up won't ever be a thing uh you know with this trusty methodology hard at work who knew folks that if you slide those puppies, the socks over your shoes before heading out, uh, you're, it's just another upcycling up moment, you know, for our socks yeah. without partners for next winter. I mean, we're giving them a job to do. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, mm. I've never heard socks of that. Socks over your shoes. No. <laughs> That's the first for me too. <laughs> Quite the look. I know. And, and New Zealanders, you know, you think yeah, that the Canadians or the Russians would have come up with that one. <laughs> I know. I, sh- I should have. I should use that tip for uh, next winter here. <laughs> I know. I'm, definitely, I'm, I'm, jotting, I'm busy jotting down this end as well. <laughs> so, so if you could create the perfect pair of jeans for yourself, what would they look and feel like? Uh, right now, I think 
my perfect pair of fitting jeans is a bootleg, a mid-rise bootleg. Um, I love the way, personally, this makes me feel, um, and I love the way it, yeah, it makes me look. So per I know it's not a, a favorite style for everyone, but for my personal favorite style, that would be, and also, honestly, I know everyone loves the high-rise, but I prefer a mid-rise, honestly. Mm. Um, mm. So that's, that's my preferred fit. The feel, I would love them to have an authentic, rigid, 100% cotton feel, but maybe playing around with, you know, organic, recycled cotton, um, hemp, tencel to get the hand feel that, um, that you're really trying to go for. But obviously, I love a rigid, 100% um, natural fiber jean. Um, and with that, I do, I'm not a raw gal though, I have to say. So even though I do like rigid, I do like um, my jeans washed, um, unfortunately. Which is so not quite the salvage denim. That's a bit I too do much love sell. I love salvage. Like I and me, um, a company from the UK, um, they make amazing um, women's salvage jeans. But there's not too many brands that make like a like a lot of women's salvage. I have to say, um, mm -hmm. in the or that I personally would, I guess, gravitate to maybe. But yeah, I and me create has this like lovely light brands um, salvage wide leg jean. That's beautiful. Um, I believe it's made from organic cotton. Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah, but that that's so definitely a mid-rise boot cut um, made from 100% natural um, fibers, as well as obviously using the most ethically and responsible um, methodologies to produce them would be my perfect pair of jeans. And so for our last question, what is your favorite holy grail fashion item you take with you on a deserted island in order to feel like the star you know you are? <laughs> huh. um, I, I, I'm going to say my, um, my turquoise cross necklace. Yeah, I have a. I thrifted. That sounds lovely. Yeah, I thrifted this. Um, it's it's silver and turquoise stone, and it's a kind of a. I guess it's like two inches. It's it's kind of it's a decent size. Um, but I dress quite minimally. I have to say, I've really reduced me, my wardrobe down to like a capsule wardrobe, and I do buy vintage pieces here and there just to mix it up for myself and make it fun. But my statement piece is my cross i'd say you'll probably see it in a bunch of the pictures i'm tagged in and whatnot but that's my that always makes me feel um like a star i guess <laughs> it sounds really ethereal really beautiful and your wardrobe sounds like completely after my own heart as well for sure <laughs> absolutely we'll have to keep an eye out for that oh it just it for me i when i think of turquoise I always just think girls of summer, you know, just that summer yeah. feeling and and being at the lake and oh, uh, yeah. yeah. For me, I'd have to say though, I'd have to go with socks, you know, surprise, <laughs> surprise. Um, you know, denim star, a big stash of denim star socks, you know. I, I think firstly, the, the knee-high starburst, you know, there's 101 things you can do with socks, right? And after all, I mean, we're on a desert island, right, ladies? Yeah. It gets lonely out there, you know. Absolutely. Well, uh, the, Actually, the sock the... monkey puppet. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, you've, you've got your sock monkey puppet. You'll, you'll never find a deeper love, right? And especially on Valentine's Day, which has now somewhat changed because it's just you and your sock monkey. Um, but then, you know, you've taken that sock, you've upcycled it to turn it into a hair scrunchie. You know, for a little je ne sais quoi on those, on those lonely date nights on a desert island with your sock oh. monkey. For sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah. It's into its circular <laughs> pattern there, for sure. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, so and romancing your denims, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Romancing and, your, your denims when there's no people or denim on the island. I mean, if it's just socks, then, you know, those magical nights when that beloved sock monkey is going to whisper in your ear, you're the star, you know you are. You'll, you'll know that you've had too many lockdowns. <laughs> We're getting used to. We can imagine. We can imagine this scenario too easily right now. I think so. Absolutely, too many lockdowns when you you're falling in love with your sock monkey puppet. <laughs> well, Annie, how, you how about have... you, Emma? For me, well, yes, Emma's of course. Emma's not getting out of this. Yeah, holy. Well, grail. yeah, I mean, for being holy the founder grail. of Denim Star. Yes, it would have to be some denim star socks on my feet. And <laughs> to be able to cope with the heat, I'd probably go with the ankle high starburst. <laughs> Flash there my ankle. Go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah, a little ankle. Well, Annie, you have been a complete star of the show. Thank you so much for being our first guest on Socks and Sandals and Other Scandals with Billy and I. Is is there any final word you'd like to say or say about the name of your blog? Um, I Other than it was an absolute pleasure to get to speak with you and I'm honored to be the first guest. Um, I'd love everyone to take a look at simplysuzette.com um, and give me a follow on Instagram. I would appreciate the support from all of you. Um, but yeah, I just this was uh, uh, really fun this was fun and i love denim star and what you're doing so it was a pleasure thank you very much and it's pleasure really lovely you, annie absolutely so that's a bye from me and yeah and an adios and thank you so much annie for being our first guest you were just fantastic i'm going to check out your site again and uh and till next time annie good luck with everything with simply suzette and uh, thanks to all our listeners. We'll chat with you next time. Bye. Bye, girl. Bye. I hope all of you lovely sock stars enjoyed our latest podcast series with episode nine, part two of denim and sustainability of socks and sandals and other scandals, morning cuppa with Emma and Billy. As I mentioned before, going forward, we will be published once a month. So keep an eye out on Instagram and Facebook for announcements of it going live at denimstar underscore UK. Also, give us a follow to keep an eye out for when the official online store goes live with the aim for this to happen by the end of May 21. To own your very own pair of denim coloured socks to style and romance your denims and jeans. 
which are made from GOTS certified organic cotton. Thank you so much for joining us on this magical mystery sock tour. If you liked it, give it a thumbs up, share it with your friends, and as always, don't forget to sock it to me and subscribe. And being the hosiery high priestess, as I always affirm, be the star you know you are. I'll talk to you guys later. Toodaloo, my lovely denim star sock stars. Until next time, bye.